the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 Minutes podcast. Back for another hopefully exciting episode. I'm General, joined today by a phenomenal panel. In New York, it's Noah Davis. What's up, Noah? That's the first time I think you said I was phenomenal. I appreciate that, John. It must be getting nicer in the new year. Yes, the new year. It's just begun. Just begun. I hope this is the first, second podcast of the new year? Third podcast? Hey, uh, you know, we've had enough. And uh, also joining us today, another reason this is such a phenomenal episode, is Brian Scaretta. How's it going, Brian? Good, good. Greetings uh, from uh, West Virginia, of all places. Mount Mama. If you're not listening yeah, to the show, you oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> Eating some pepperoni rolls? Those are, that's my yeah. favorite West Virginia treat. I just had some wet bacon. Uh, I haven't geared up for lunch, but uh, I'm sure it'll, it'll be some good old barbecue or something along those lines. I, I can't say that I'm not a little jealous. Listen, if you've never listened to the show before, it's not just all talking about regional cuisines and late New Year's wishes. We also talk about American soccer. We do that by doing three categories. Those categories reveal a prompt. Our panelists debate the prompts, and we wrap it all up in about 10 or 15 minutes. Get you back to your day of wet bacon and uh, whatever else you're doing. <laughs> Three categories today are The Third Man, Citizen Kane, and The Hearts of Age. The Third Man, Citizen Kane, and The Hearts of Age. You guys know what these are? Books. I'm, st- I'm stumped. These are Orson Welles films. Orson Welles. Uh, Brian, you're eating good. What's, uh, which ones are going to be first? The Third Man, Citizen Kane, or The Hearts of Age? Let's do Third Man. In the third man, Wells plays Harry Lime in the mystery involving Lime's apparent death in a car accident. I'm wondering, though, about the United States goalkeeper situation. Who are the three men that you th- think should be on the March roster? And who gets to start against Honduras with Tim Howard injured and Brad Guzan? A little rusty. I still think it's going to be Brad Guzan. Um, I think it's going to be Nick Romando. And I think it's going to be Luis Robles. Why would you uh, think- still going with Guzan? Why? I think, you know, Bruce has been, made it pretty clear. He said it's pretty comfortable with him starting there at this time. Um, you know, it's tough to it's tough to make a big change right now. I still think that the team is comfortable with Brad Guzan. They're familiar with him in these big situations. And I don't think Bruce is going to, you know, he might tinker with the lineup, but I just don't see him changing the goalkeeping position right now. I think, uh, I still think it's going to be Guzan. Yeah, I, I agree with Brian. I think the one... Uh, you know, caveat to this, it seemed like in that press, in the call, Arena was kind of holding out hope that Tim Howard would get back, perhaps. Uh, so I think that it, there's something there, um, maybe. You know, I, I think if Howard is healthy, uh, I think he's probably the starter. But I'm not as worried about Guzan not playing as much as I think other people are. And it, it doesn't really seem like uh, Arena is as worried about that either. I, I, think, for, I think for other players... Form is is more if they're not playing for their club. That's a bigger difference. But you know, goalkeeping, I, I yeah. just don't, I don't, I don't see it as much. I don't think it's as much of a concern if you're sitting on the bench. Uh, it seems like you can get you can get a lot of the reps and stuff that you need in training uh, for goalkeeper in a way that you really can't with other positions. Uh, yeah, and I agree. Yeah, I mean, just one last point to piggyback off that. I think. You know, when you're when you're in your 30s like this, and you've been around, and you're a goalkeeper, you know what it takes. You know, th- there's no surprises here. I think that, you know, um, the, the the likelihood Brad Guzan is going to be in poor form for these qualifiers is very low. Real quick, this isn't a great, you know, testament to I think of the depth of a position that's been very deep for a long time. Or at least I don't see it as such. Uh, any reason to think that maybe this is changing from a position of ultra strength to a position that maybe in a couple years uh, the U.S. is worrying about. Noah? Um, 
Yeah, I think that's certainly uh, a thing that's that's an interesting talking point. It seems like the you know Hamid Sean Johnson generation has kind of fallen flat, but you're also looking at it seems like Ethan Horvath is is great, uh, and in a couple of years, there's nothing to say that he might not be a world class goalie. So I'm not super worried about. It. I think Howard has a little you know good legs left in him. I think still Guzan is still a very good goalkeeper. I think even Robles and Romando. You know, in a pinch, you could see them starting real big games. So it is it is certainly interesting as, as a, you know, a position that has been the U.S. best position probably for forever, pretty much, to see it suddenly be a talking point. But I don't think it's really something worth worrying about at this point. Brian, unlike Noah, following instructions and keeping it sort of brief, your thoughts? I think it's going to – I think this position will kind of sort itself out over time. I mean, I don't think Hamid is necessarily flat. I mean, he's just injured all the time. But whenever he's healthy, you know, I don't think we've ever really got a chance to see the best of him. I'm still optimistic on that. I'm still optimistic on Horvath. And, and Zach Steffen might probably get his, you know, start in with Columbus this year as the number one. He was he's, yeah, he was great with the youth levels. So, I'm, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to still feel good about the goalkeeping position. It's You worry about every position. But I think that – there's enough good players playing that that role that I think it'll be fine. All right, we're going to be all right at goalkeeper. Noah, you want Citizen Kane or the Hearts of Age? The Hearts of Age, definitely. Oh, this problematic film sees Wells portraying death and a bunch of other plot points that we don't really want to talk about. It's actually only eight minutes long, and uh, he didn't consider it part of his own canon. Let's talk about some players with a lot of life left in them, though. The U-20s. CONCACAF championships get underway Friday. The U.S. opens their campaign. Noah is visually grimacing at my, uh, my contortion here, this category here. The CONCACAF <laughs> championships get underway Friday. The U.S. opens their campaign Saturday against a tough Panama team. Noah, what do you think we should look out for in this tournament? Uh, I love the fact that Jonathan Klisman is the starting goalkeeper for this tournament. Uh, I think that's amazing. I hope he does phenomenally well. Um, that's my favorite. My favorite narrative about this tournament is the fact that the fired head coach, his son, who has uh, made himself a media, um, done some tweeting in the past that I, I think is probably not the best idea. Uh, the fact that he's now the starting goalkeeper uh, is great. I think otherwise, uh, I think Brian has written a lot about uh, Tyler Adams uh, for the Red Bulls. It'd be nice to see him. Um, I, I, just, I think it's fun to see these guys, you know, the young guys get in tournaments that matter, and I, I hope they qualify. That's the, that's the big thing here for sure. Sort of counting out, Brian, you know, uh, Georgetown guy. I know that's uh, your Hoya, J.T. Marcinkowski, right? He could, he could get a couple games of goalkeeper as well. Brian, what are we going to see from this tournament? Um, you know, I think there's a couple key players here. I think that they're, they're pretty good in central defense. I think, um, you know, there's, there are some holes on this team too. I don't, I'm not particularly impressed with the fullback positions, but I think that right now, um, a big, a big player that you, everyone should keep an eye on is Jeremy Babisi. Um, he's the center forward for this team. His goal scoring numbers for this whole cycle have been very, very good, but they're likely to play with a single striker formation. And uh, I'm not as conv- I'm convinced though that BC needs to be really on for this team to be dangerous for him to finish the chances. If he goes cold, um, the offense, the team's offense could sputter. So I think that that's the guy, the most important player on this team by quite a large margin. But yeah, I was talking about Tyler Adams. Everything I've heard from people in U20, Caitland, and then with the Red Bulls, says that he's come out this this year playing incredibly well. So um, you definitely want to keep an eye on him in central midfield, and he's also one of the youngest players on the team. Top two teams from each group go through to the U20 World Cup. So if uh, U.S.'s group is U.S., Panama, St. Kitts, and Nevis, and Haiti, you got to qualify, right? It should be okay on that Well, front. no, it, 
they, they, the top two teams from each group go on to an additional group of three. Uh, from so 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 there's two rounds of group play and then you have to finish the top two of that group as well right, but right, right. if the u.s wins their group then they have a, then they're probably going to be in a much easier position um in the second group but if they get into the next group but if they if they finish in second in this group they could end up and end up in a, in a group with uh costa rica and mexico which would be um uh disastrous um so I think that by far and away the U.S. has to win their group. How many teams go? Sorry, to clarify for myself and our listeners, how many teams go through? Uh, four, two teams from each group go, go to the second group, and then um, the, the so you have three groups of four, and then that goes down to two groups of three, uh, two groups of three, and then the top two teams of each group advance for the World Cup. So four teams make it. Out right, of right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Four teams. Who designed that? Yeah, what is happening? This is is much better than it used to be. What happens is what it used to be is like you have group fifth stages, then they go right to the quarterfinal, and then the winners of the quarterfinals uh, go to the World Cup. So it came down to a one game playoff just for the world, just to make it to the World Cup no matter what. So they were trying to do away with, you know, one win and you're in and lose and you're out no matter what and give some more relevance to round robin group play. I like it a lot. But now, you can, with the old yeah, but now you can advance from, like, the U.S. is trying to advance from Group B into Group D. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's Listen, that's we'll true. keep you updated on this tournament. And look, if you're still listening to this podcast, you know how to deal with convoluted things because that's all this podcast is, is just total convolution. Let's quickly move on to Citizen Kane. Carly Lloyd had into Manchester to be a citizen and join Man City. Brian, what does Lloyd and some of her fellow national teamers making moves to Europe uh, kind of bring for the U.S. national team, and how does it bode for the NWSL? I mean, I think it makes the NWSL have to compete, you know, for you know, and and raise its game more and more. I think it's, uh, you know, it makes the women's game more global and and more relevant on the global stage, like it is with the men. And um, you know, I I don't really see it having that big of an effect on the national team. I still think that you know a lot of the players that are making these moves are going to start for this team and do very well for this team, uh, no matter where they're playing. But yeah, I I think it's um I think it's uh it, it's good for competition for them for the, to open up um, globally in the women's game. I think more markets the better. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think. You know, what's good for NWSL is not necessarily what's good for the women's game or what's good for the women's game is not necessarily what's good for NWSL. Uh, you know, the Carly Lloyd going to Man City raises the profile of Man City. It raises the profile of women's football in England, uh, which is a good thing. Um, I, I think, you know, the NWSL uh, is going to lose her, which is which is too bad for the league, although it's a pretty short-term contract, I think, right? So yeah, she she's might, back. Might come back. back. Yeah, she's back. Um so I think that's sort of weird. I mean, it's sort of like the WNBA where players play the WNBA right. season and then go over to Russia and play in the Russian that's league. Exactly and, like uh, you know, you sort of – to make the money, it, it makes sense. Um, I think I think it's a big year for the NWSL too. I went to the presentation last week where they, you know, signed, signed the new deal with uh, Lifetime and A&E. And it, it seems like Lifetime and a, or A&E or whatever the parent company is, I think it's A&E, is really putting a significant investment into that league um, to help it grow and has has equity in it now. So I, I think it'll be a really big year for the NWSL. I think the contract negotiation, the CBA, is is pretty important to get that straightened out, although it sounds like uh, the, new, the new representation for the women's team uh, is doing that uh, as a little bit less antagonistic than the old ones. So I think that should get straightened out pretty soon. Um, 
but yeah, I think it is, you know, it's, it's nice to see these women getting opportunities abroad and, and taking up, taking them. I don't think there's anything wrong with that from an individual level. No, I don't think so either. One other thing that's sort of just an interesting note is that this is going to allow Carly Lloyd and some of the other players who have jumped to play in the Champions League, right? I've heard a couple rumblings in Central America that they're trying to do a Champions League down there just in Central America with women's teams. Mexico starting a women's league. I, I mean, it's interesting because I think 2017, and Happy New Year to you again, Noah, but no, I think 2017 will be a big year, you know, yes, for the NWSL, but also with these players moving to Europe and maybe even within CONCACAF because if the league starts up in Mexico, you know, it's a country that I lived in. It's a country where they're wild about soccer and, you know, everyone plays, you know, really? regardless of gender. Mexico, wild about soccer in Mexico? Well, I'm just saying, man, because I don't think that you wouldn't know that uh, the truth is you wouldn't know that if you just watch the women's team right because i mean they've been totally not totally but next to irrelevant for the u.s you know in concaf games and qualification like the u.s has had no competition here other than canada so if mexico and, and costa rica who, who has been good lately but not historically if they could start to raise their game a little bit as well i think that would really benefit the game as a whole what would benefit the podcast as a whole is to draw to a close brian thanks so much for joining man enjoy the pepperoni rolls Thanks very much, guys, for having me on. And Noah, thank you. Enjoy whatever you have to eat in Brooklyn. There's no good food there, is there? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. And listen, trash thank sandwiches. Trash sandwich. <laughs> it's getting it's getting hard times up there already, man. True. Listener, happy New Year to you as well. Please stay with us on American Soccer Now and Benefit News. Talk to you next week. Take care.